Hello and good morning. Got any spoons? I'm your host, Anne. I am not a medical doctor and I do not give medical advice. I do share my personal experiences, tips, tricks, and life hacks of dealing with disability, chronic illness, and pain. It has been a very interesting week and on I don't know whatever day it was, I made a TikTok because I had a very bad experience having a pick line put in. And pick lines typically go in your arm. They're threaded up your arm into your armpit type area and down to your heart. So they have the same access to your heart as a port. But my port had been giving me problems and my doctor decided we better put in a pick in case the port has to come out. And that didn't go so well. And I shared that story on uh, TikTok and I had numerous comments. In fact, I was surprised because I didn't look at that TikTok for quite a while. And I had over 10,000 views and there were quite a few questions and statements and most were supportive, some were not. And I thought this would be a good opportunity to address those comments. And if they want to know an answer to their questions or a response, which, you know, usually they don't, they're just (laughs) making comments to make comments. But I had the satisfaction of having this medium to be able to give a full explanation uh, to the questions that were asked and, and what really happened. Back in the fall, my port was doing wonky things and it wasn't consistent, but there was pain or um, I would say diminished effectiveness of the medications that go through the port and timing was off. And I knew something was wrong, but with the medical community you and most other things, you really need to replicate the problem and have it be consistent for them to acknowledge the problem let alone try to figure it out because it's a moving target that they don't know what the variables are so they can't eliminate things. And it's very frustrating for everyone. Um, But I went into the hospital uh, last fall to have my port evaluated and the doctor put in the five mils and said, oh, it's not leaking. And this is a new doctor to our hospital Um, and one I hadn't worked with before. So I made the request to put in more dye because I felt like there was something more going on, but it doesn't happen unless there's more volume. That I I think I had figured out. So he went in and put more uh, dye into the, the port and was able to scan it and see that a large collection sack had formed. Now, if it had just been a fibrin sheath, as most people are experienced with, it would have covered the tip of the catheter. When the catheter was removed, it often comes with it because it's attached. It's seen as a foreign body. And because it's right there, this little flap doesn't usually allow for blood to be drawn, but you can flush okay. So um, we found that that was there. That was a major concern. So they took out that port immediately and put in the right side port. So I, that's my third one in five years. So doing pretty well and not because of a sepsis or infection problem. Yay. Uh, so fast forward to present day and I have been 
having pain during infusions and I infuse overnight and it's not great, but it's waking me up. If I stop infusing, it's not hurting. And so we contact the doctor and we think maybe we should evaluate this other port as well. And this whole time I've asked the question repeatedly, if anyone knew what was going to happen to the collection sack on the other side, the IR doctor um, did mention that he had never seen anything like it. And even in the report, he, he deemed it a fibrin sheath, but that isn't what he called it when he saw it. It wasn't behaving like that. So um, we went in to get this evaluated and also to put the pick in, like I mentioned, and the doctor put in the five mils and said, your port's fine, it's not leaking. And knowing that this doctor had worked with me before, I asked if he could put in another five to see if it was the balloon. And he said, it's fine, it's not uh, doing this. And I'm like, okay, that's, that's frustrating. And then we go to insert the pick and I'm very nervous, I have EDS. I've had picks before. They are typically very difficult to get get threaded because I have spider web-like veins. And in fact, the last time I had a pick line inserted, um, the IR doc cursed and got mad and was stern with me because I moved because I told him lidocaine doesn't work and they don't believe me. Um, and so that is the point where people will go, oh, we do pick line insertions all the time. We don't give anxiety meds or pain meds. It shouldn't be that uh, painful to get a pick line inserted. You are correct. It should not. That's not the typical, uh, but I'm not the typical. And I do have um, proof with the genetic pharmacological study that says that this med is not effective with my genes. Also, caffeine is not effective. It's it's on there as well. So it's not it's not just pain meds. There's there's caffeine. There's psych, psychiatric meds. There's autoimmune meds. There's this whole classification, all different types of classifications. And in general, meds don't work very well for me um, because of my genetic makeup. And that means you're either going to have to give me a lot more or it's not going to work at all, or we don't, we aren't sure. Not all meds are mapped out yet, but there's a good start. The cherry on top of this most recent story is the fact that I had told the doctor before he started that the lidocaine didn't work. He said, that's okay. I'll just use more. And then as a procedure was very difficult and I was in pain, I wiggled and was admonished because I needed to stay still for this procedure. And that was the problem. When everything was done, the doctor came around to where I could see him and told me that I really needed to be insistent with doctors that I really needed to let them know that this doesn't work. I did tell the doctor and he didn't believe me, which is a very common response in my world. 
remember, these are just my experiences, my tips and tricks. And so for anesthesia that doesn't work, except for in high doses, I use um, a trick that my father-in-law taught me, sing, just keep singing. And they will know that they have put me under when I'm no longer singing. But I can guarantee you, we will have a full conversation for quite some time while they're expecting the meds to be of taking effect or already have taken effect. I'm wide awake and it does take a lot. I try to warn them about that. I've tried to equip them with the scientific data, let alone the past records of my procedures. And I have had over 30. There, there's some history there. So um, it's very frustrating. I don't know how I'm supposed to be more insistent with the doctors um, unless I just simply refuse while I'm in the Jesus Christ pose. <laughs> I've already signed the consent um, and I'm and I'm down. They've got me prepped. The gowns are on. I've not yet told them to stop, but after this week, I might just have to do that. So for the commenters that were supportive of the medical team in my story, um, you didn't listen. <laughs> and I don't think you watched the whole uh, TikTok, nor did you look at my introduction post to know the special needs that I have, nor do you try to educate yourself, nor will it matter what I say, because you will continue to operate in the way that you do, and you will have the cognitive dissonance with pain that you need to do your job, and I will have the cognitive dissonance I need to with pain so I can live my life. You guys just put me at a new level each time. I'll work on it, I promise, because I know I can't depend on you the medical community, to care for me, to give me relief, to do anything at this point that might be in my benefit. Am I being harsh? Yes, because there's another part of the story. Because I had to go back. I woke up on the third night screaming in pain at one o'clock in the morning. My husband rushed me to the ER, thought, didn't know what was going on. If it was a blood clot, if I was, I don't know. It was just pain, screaming, get to the ER. I could be dying. I don't know. And when I got to the ER, they were generous with the pain meds and they did an x-ray in the bed, I guess, to check my heart and took some blood. Because they determined I didn't need any surgical intervention stat, they decided that they would admit me to the hospital free up a bed in the ER and let me wait there for the IR team to come back in. They work Monday through Friday. Um, and then they could reevaluate the pick, see what was going on and take care of it. Cause this was just a continuation from the, um, the point of insertion in the ER's mind. Okay, great. But I was in that hospital bed all day and I did not see the interventional radiologist. I was told somewhere around noon by the staff nurse that they were not going to evaluate anything more than what they did on Tuesday. And they were assured, they were assured, I was not assured that the pick was properly placed and was fine. 
without seeing me. And uh, I asked for medications that I take scheduled. I was not able to get those. Uh, I, I had not run TPN now for many days. And when I did try, I was in the ER. So um, the fact that they were completely unwilling to look at the pick line that they had put in that was causing pain is baffling to me. And it was really one of those um, gaslighting situations where I'm put in the room, they tell me they're going to evaluate me and they let the clock run out uh, because it was 3 p.m. when they said that they'd like to admit me and they'd like to try running my TPN um, at a slower rate. And I had to ask if they had my formula, which I know they don't have my formula because I use a pharmacy that compounds my formula weekly and my uh, formula has to be refrigerated. Hospitals use a very standard shelf-stable type of TPN that is usable by most patients. And um, again, I don't fit that category. And they seem to think that it would be okay that they didn't have the same formula. It would be close enough, but it wasn't. And I knew that because it was the lipids that were hurting me before and we had to change the lipids. And that's the exact part that they don't formulate, that they don't have refrigerated. So I declined their offer because I knew I wouldn't get the right medicine. It wouldn't be an effective test. So uh, there was a surgical consult, I think just to cover their bases. And I left at five o'clock in the afternoon slash evening. So started at 1 a.m., left at 5 p.m. and did not see interventional radiology, uh, did not receive medication or anything like that. So that's where that was. There were many empathetic uh, commenters, commenters on the TikTok that said, I'm so sorry, I have the same problem. I have EDS. Pick lines do hurt with this. I do need more meds. Lidocaine doesn't work for me either. You know, that type of thing. I know I'm not alone, um, but we are spread out and we are alone in our experience with that doctor usually. Um, too bad we can't band together. But for those that have the same experience, bless you. I'm sorry you have to go through it too. The other comment that was common was I should report the doctor, the hospital, and or sue. So I wanted to address that and I'll let you guys take a break and come back and we'll talk about it. Um, Hint, I'm not in favor of suing. So there you go. You decide whether you want to come back or not, and I'll see you shortly. Welcome back. I am very sorry about my voice. I'm aware that it's very froggy. Uh, This is what happens when a person's very dehydrated and has limited resources to intake food and fluids and has extremely aggressive GERD and and erosive esophagitis. Yeah that's a tricky word to say. 
Sorry about that. I should also probably give a trigger warning at this point because we're going to talk about things that didn't go well and why I would or wouldn't sue or would or wouldn't report. So this isn't my first experience having to answer this question, unfortunately. Um, When I was 16, I was working and was cleaning a fryer and was injured while cleaning it. Um, I never should have been touching that fryer. It was required that you be 18 to manage it, clean it, use it, that type of thing, but there was no one scheduled. So there was that. That was a very good case since they had broken child labor laws, I guess, is what they had done. But I'm just not of that belief. And um, I wasn't disfigured or maimed. I still could use all my body parts after the recovery. And I was good. Um, When I had my first child, and I talked about that origin story of trauma, many people said I should have sued or reported then. Um, In in, in hindsight, on that one, I wish I had, but I was 23 and naive and doctors did no wrong and I didn't want to deal with that along with a new baby and everything that was happening in our lives. Uh, so that was a no. Six years ago, when I first had a J-tube placed, the doctor told my husband they needed to keep me because quote, your wife perceives pain differently and we need to keep her in the hospital to help manage her pain at this point. And it turned out uh, 48 plus hours later that they had perforated my bowel, that I was internally bleeding and um, the code blue watch I was on to be on enough pain medicines to handle the pain that I perceived differently wasn't about that. It was about internal bleeding, internal injury, and such like that, that the doctor would not recognize, would not even think that he did something wrong, even though the nursing staff and my husband and my other support people who visited me knew there was something very wrong. Uh, That would have been a good time to report and or sue. However, it's my local hospital and I didn't know and I didn't want to burn the bridges because while that surgeon wasn't the best surgeon for me, uh, my GI doctor is there and it's the closest hospital. I don't know that I will be able to direct the the EMT and the ambulance to take me someplace else if there's ever that need that arises. And so I wanted to keep things um, in somewhat good standing. I just simply won't allow that surgeon to touch me or really any surgeon by choice uh, because that wasn't the only mistake made during that time. It's a lot and Yeah, so it was triggering to go back there and have it done, have the mistakes, have the gaslighting, have all of that redone, repeated, I should say. Um, I like it's their standard of operating care. Uh, So that is scary. And what I might do is report the situation. 
how do you report? Just type into Google your state's name followed by medical board complaints. You'll get a link very quickly to the procedures you should follow to put in the complaint with the state medical board. You can also file a complaint with your insurance, particularly uh, in my case, earlier when the J-tube failed, I was in the hospital much longer than I needed to be. There were many complications. Um, I lost a year of time because of that. And the reason the insurance wants to know and the reason you'll most likely get the most bang for your buck with an insurance complaint is that they were paying for all of that time in the hospital um, and the mistakes. They're paying for his mistakes. So they're keenly aware of which doctors are costing them money and they might research. They might look into what else has happened with this doctor that's costing us money. Filing a report with the hospital is a good measure if you're going full out and if you are going to complain to the medical board and to insurance, yes, make the complaint formal with the hospital. But if you're naive like I was and think that reporting to the hospital is all that's necessary to have a doctor looked at and admonished or whatever, I will be the one to burst your bubble and say, it's not going to end like that. If you only report to the hospital, they will send a letter letting you know that they have uh, done their due diligence to look into the report and the incident, and they have found that all of their personnel have acted within their excellent standard of care, and thank you for bringing it to their attention. They find no wrongdoing. Proceed having the relationship or seeing your doctor. And that's um, probably the worst outcome that I can think of in that it minimizes what I've gone through again and they didn't get anything, but I'm on everybody's radar as the whiny, complainy patient. And I do fear retribution. I do fear, fear the nurses and the staff that um, will use bigger needles for um, a peripheral who won't believe me, won't use the port. Um, there's many ways that they can make your life miserable. There's many ways they can help your life as well. Um, but those are all considerations to weigh when you're deciding what you would like to do. For me, myself, and I, I believe this is the last straw with this particular venue, hospital system. And I do need to report. And I don't know whether I can go back. Um, I don't think so, but it's probably the statue of limitations and bring up what happened six years ago with the other surgeon uh, who is still there and um, the other IR uh, who might be retired by now. Don't know. I can look into it. So I understand a lot of us are abused in the medical system because we're not the normal, typical patient and we don't fit their variables they do not have time to make the accommodations 
for unique situations. They are on the clock. They are needing to do as much as possible with as little as possible. I understand that the vast majority of medical personnel are good people who do not have it out for me, who are not vindictive, and they would do everything in their power to help me. I know that. And that's why I'm still here. And then I'll choose to go someplace else. And maybe they'll choose to go someplace else. I don't know. But that's what I'm choosing to do. And that's going to be a challenge if I don't soon get some nutrition (laughs) uh, and get that going. It's an extremely rough road. It's draining. And this is first thing in the morning. And this is about as much brain power as I have for the day. So hang in there and I'll talk to you next week. And maybe there'll be another update. Maybe we'll just let this lie here and move on to better things, happier things, tips, tricks, and life hacks um, that have positive outcomes. Sounds good. So remember, you're not alone. You can always reach out to gotanyspoons at gmail.com if you'd like to share your story or have me read your story. And um, you are loved. Talk to you next week.